This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. They love me. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, Nick Gillard, who you've already heard, I think, and James Howard of Back of the Nest of that same parish. We're also joined by the wonderful Dr. Kernaz, yes. who I'm reliably informed sent a still image to the group WhatsApp this afternoon in order to illustrate how slowly a train was moving. <laughs> yes, I couldn't lift my arms up properly for a long time time and that as stopped I went, you from taking gym. a video yeah i just had to lift up quickly take a photo and put it back down but i did record um the driver uh, giving an update yeah so. i know i was gonna um i was gonna get the producer to play that tonight <laughs> if you still weren't here but you you yeah. exercise yeah this is the man johnny who before you you joined the parish of love sport um said he didn't do any exercise all right yeah much no, like yeah. palaces half palaces squad yes indeed and um <laughs> suddenly two weeks in and you can't move your arms oh yeah today i can't yeah, but yesterday. Is it me who's had this influence on you, dear? No, not really. How no. comes? How I don't do know. I was that? just thinking. Since <laughs> since I've arrived, you've suddenly got on this health kick. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not saying anything. Have uh, you got a personal trainer, or do you just? No, I just go with a mate. Oh, yeah, okay. I've looked into it. It's relaxed. It's yeah. relaxed. Uh, Nick, you of course have some news for us. We're getting our weekly updates on the cats. How are they getting on? Well, I got the gender wrong last week. According to my daughter. Is your daughter a cat gendering expert? (laughs) Well, she was prepared to actually have a feel and see whether there was anything there or not. Brave. And she's decided that there's two girls and a boy. Right. After extensive research. Yes. She did what the parents wouldn't do. (laughs) And do we have any names? Constantine is just the one name. Right. (laughs) Because we don't want to name the others because it's going to be hard enough for them to go she is going to be in bits so is constantine staying yes right okay so constantine is a permanent fixture the rest she's are going, there on loan she's going to be the constant why don't you call both of the others michi Bachwai as cats that are doing well for the club at the moment but probably won't be here next season michi's a good name as is Bachwai. well like one's yeah. called michi <laughs> one's called Bachwai. Catshuai. Catshuai. you see yeah. we sorted it <laughs> and James Howard is, of course, here with us as well. The wonderful James Howard. Busy week. Any cats? 
No, but uh, we are purchasing a puppy. <laughs> I see. Um, which Called is... Michi Dogshwai, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> Break it, breaking news for you guys. Well, I did mention it to Nick the other day. Um, but yeah, no, uh, a family, we've all caved in to the children. They wanted to get a puppy and uh, we've got one uh, we put a deposit on and um, we're still going through the name stage at, at the moment. See, it's, what's the breed? It's, it's a Pouchon. <laughs> A Pouchon. Have you heard of that? <laughs> no. Is it is it a mixture, a Bichon and a Be- Poodle? Yes. Well I done. See. Brilliant. Well yeah. done. It's a very fluffy. It's very fluffy, cuddly, um, affectionate, uh, and with the intelligence of a Poodle. Um, it's a boy. Um, I want to... checked. Yep. Yep. Well, <laughs> well, next been called it. I haven't actually. <laughs> to We've been told it's a boy. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so we've had a few names sort of... Uh, passed around but we, we yeah they've got their name they want and i had my one which was come on then what's the name your kids want what's the name you want they want teddy right they think it looks yeah. like a teddy okay so i'm kind of like ted's okay I'm not sure about teddy um and i was after wilf but ah. <laughs> what, about, what about aaron yeah that's I haven't actually asked him. Or you could go for Roy, but then DR, Roy, yeah, DR wouldn't be very yeah, keen on yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll like... stay away from your dog. So you, you you've paid a deposit. I bet you get lots of deposits back for that. Well, All over we will do over the first few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our producer, by the way, Josh, is currently wincing. It's a head-in-hands scenario. Wasn't head-in-hands, of course, for Palace at the weekend. James, you were mentioning there that Ted or Wilf or whatever the poor fella ends up being <laughs> called is going to be fluffy and intelligent. Palace have been intelligent for much of this season, but do you think they were a bit too fluffy, a bit too nice as they took on Everton? Yeah, I think they they were. I th- unfortunately, we didn't have. I was hoping for some experiments, experimental formations, on Saturday, um, and uh, a little bit more positive um, following the the great win at Arsenal. But it seemed to revert back to the last home game that we had, and um, although you know we didn't lose, and it was nil nil, and a lot of people were saying you know nil nil wasn't a bad result against Everton. Um, I still felt that we could have done better and there were some significant uh, things that the manager should have done or could have done during the game. Um, we only used one substitution. They used all their three substitutions. Um, and, you know, I'm still worried about the consistency of key players in our team. Um, but overall, it was a bit of a bore, bore draw, nil-nil. However, probably the result was quite a reasonable against Everton. Yeah, I think it was. When you look at the lineup, it was actually an encouraging lineup because you had Kuyata today, which I've always rooted for. Uh, you had Max starting, uh, Wilf, Benteke. So on paper, it was a strong lineup. But then again, I think the way that we were set up tactically, we didn't really get the best out of the players. And of course, some players didn't perform as well. So I think it was a combination of both tactics and player performances that really let us down. But it was, I think it was a typical Palace performance from this season. We haven't had many exciting games and it was just one of them games where despite being safe, we were just, we weren't really going for it. And yeah, a nil, nil, nil was probably a fair result. Had we been still not mathematically safe, Fans would have been saying it was two points dropped. Yeah, but, but it was it was so such an on the beach game. But but as for the lineup, I mean, he's experimenting a bit, putting putting Meyer out on the wing, yeah, and well, leaving Wilf up top. 
And I, I, I although we're obviously good up top, I, I prefer him on the wing. I prefer I him called dangerous. Ted. Hmm? I prefer him called Ted. <laughs> Ted. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And um, PVA came back in. And I think that is because Richarlison is quick. So hang on, where do we, where do we stand on Patrick Van Arnholt then? Because we we've come and gone in every direction yeah. about him on this show. First, it was he's a weak link, he's defensively fragile. Then it was well, he's getting a bit more solid and he's very very dangerous going forward. He can finish as well, which we saw against Huddersfield. Then we were back to he was wobbly and the team improved without him in. Mm. How did he get on against Everton? I thought he was reasonably okay, actually. I don't think he was as bad as he was the other week. Um, but um, he did okay. And I think that he is just one of those players that I've said are a little bit inconsistent this season. Mm. And it's that's the problem. I don't know if the others noticed, but I felt that Everton were absolutely targeting that side of the pitch, especially the first yeah. half. I didn't see anything come down Wan-Bissaka's side. No, give PVA his due. Who was that player? He sprinted back and got an mm. excellent tackling. Yeah. I was screaming for a penalty, but he... he... That was Richarlison as well, I think. Yeah. Was it? I'm yeah. pretty sure, yeah. And how, was he, how did he commit so many fouls in the first 15 minutes without being booked Richarlison? He was one of these players, you'd love him on your team because he winds up the other team so much and your position fans so much. But I thought the ref was a little bit lenient with, yeah, it's with not, him. Yeah, it's not only Richarlison. I think the whole Everton squad, they were just getting away with so many fouls. And considering that they didn't receive one single yellow card, I thought it was a disappointing performance from the referee. And let's say that we weren't safe, then yeah, we'll probably talk about the ref a bit more. But as we're safe now, you're not really that focused on the actual result and the referee performances, I think. Um, but in terms of Patrick Van Aanholt, I feel like he had a decent game, but then again, he could have done better. And I, I don't know how to look at it. I want to be optimistic with him and say, you know what, he could slightly improve. Um, he sat against Arsenal, uh, maybe had some time to think about his performances and just look at it from the outside. But I don't know. It's two games left. All All we want is really for him to try his best and see from then on but I still feel like left back this summer could probably be the one position that we need to actually target well you know this goes back to what Johnny was just saying you know how do we feel about you know him getting back into the team straight away because we did win at Arsenal and you think well hold on why didn't Ward retain his place so you have to look at the bigger picture and think right what was Roy doing here was he just saying right you've made an, enough mistakes uh, recently you're a weak link and I need to demonstrate this to the rest of the team uh, you know is obviously highlighted on the highlights program on Saturday night how how weak he was the previous game and he has been making mistakes throughout other games as well so I I believe that he is Roy's favourite at the moment and I think he knows that he's dealing with an international player and on his day is extremely good going forward as we know yeah. and if we can keep him if we can shore up as I've said to you before Nick at the, his defensive play whether that's from the manager or, or, the, or the captain or the centre-backs he will be or can be an extremely good player and I, I think if maybe Roy is thinking that if I start leaving him out week in week out he could end up getting a transfer request yeah. and then we lose a quality player and then all we've got is Wardy who's obviously getting on a bit and we can't rely on that 
happening. I think, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but mm. I still think we need a new left back just to give him something like right Good. now there isn't no one challenging the left back position apart from Van Arnhol as Slap is not seen as a left back, even though when he's brought in he was mainly considered as one. So we need We're to back. actually bring in a left back Kelly. just to give him a challenge. I well Kelly is a centre back. I don't see Kelly as a left back. More he's right footed, so if he was to play somewhere it would probably be right back rather than left back. I think Joe Ward is probably the best option for left back but then again that's not a good enough challenge and sometimes you need to give the players something to think about and maybe left back position to someone no matter how good it might not be an upgrade but just someone who can challenge with Van Aanholt I think that might just do the job Changes could be a plenty in the summer for Palace could it be a change of boss? DR, you've been quite negative about a certain Mr. Hodgson in the past and perhaps your frustration was justified against Everton because Palace's Premier League status is safe and yet still going into games showing serious amounts of caution. Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. It's the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and DR Kernaz, Nick Gillard and James Howard of Back of the Nest. Now Palace is safe. Premier League survival secure for another season. Broadly a good year, really. And yet there are no risks being taken going into games. This is the window where if you're the manager and you're thinking, well, there's stuff I wanted to try out this year, but I didn't want to risk valuable points Pressure's off. Experiment, tinker, be brave, take those risks. It's not happening. Roy played it very, very safe against Everton. Why do you think he's still being so cautious? I think that's it's just how we approach his games. I think it's simply as that. Um, that's how he sees the game. He'll rather keep a clean sheet. Um, and you can see that, by the way, that was set up. I feel like against Everton, the gap between the midfield and attack at times was just so big that it influence how Benteke played and I think Zaha as well because we all we we already know that Zaha he's going to get he's going to get triple teamed and double teamed and when you don't have the support next to him he's going to struggle even more and I think that was pretty much the case he was he seemed like I understand it from certain point of course you want to keep a clean sheet and be solid defensively but then again we haven't seen many goals at Sellers Park this season I'd rather we gave it a go and you know, tr- try to score more goals, whether that means leaving space out at the back, then just sit back and play for nil-nil. What's the point? I, well, I, I totally, totally agree, actually. And you only got to look at the bench and you've got Batswai, Ayu and Bakary Sacco, you know, forwards or attacking players. And uh, they didn't start. And also they didn't even get on the pitch. I mean, I just yeah. find that shocking, really. Uh, yeah, Everton made three changes. I still don't understand... Why we're not making? Why we're not using all our substitutes? Baku Saka, for instance, we brought him in. We, you know, before before he left us, he scored a couple of goals on the Roy. So I was excited to see what he could do for the next couple of months. But he's barely played. I don't know if that's due to fitness, but he's on the bench, so he's fit to a certain degree. So I don't understand why he's not coming on at least. Yeah, well, we had this conversation last week um, about playing Benteke because he's our player. We don't think we're going to have that shrine, so I can understand that. Um, why Benteke is getting picked but yeah you're, you're right about the sub and I'm sure all Palace fans would like to see uh, Tekas and Batshuayi on the pitch at the same time I don't think we've actually seen it yet no we haven't and um, what you've got to remember is you we're talking about defensive football we've had a rubbish season those of us are only going to home games 
It's been absolute. <laughs> no, seriously, it's been one of the worst seasons I've known. And you look at the away performance and you think, wow, that's how you play football. It's mm. it's just getting getting that right. And it's it's we've we're safe earlier than we have been in previous seasons. Yeah, and it's it, always, and so a that's an advance. That's a success. We've you know we could, we might finish. Where was it last year? We finished tenth or eleventh. We might finish there or thereabouts this season. So that's that's good considering with strike the striker problem we had at the start of the season, we'd have taken that then, wouldn't we? Yeah, but we yeah. should take. I think I feel like we should take advantage of the situation in a way that we haven't really seen a plan B this season, and no. maybe try it's something new. So next season, if it doesn't work out, you're going to you know you could see oh these players can work under this new tactic, but we haven't seen that. We're still using Plan A when we're safe. That's what. That's why it makes no sense. Indeed, not not hitting the team with some stupid yeah. formation with players out of position in the first game of the season like the board did. Let's try it now <laughs> when the points it's, yeah, they I, do matter, but they don't matter. Yeah. It's all money. But do you think do you think the fact that Roy isn't experimenting at this point perhaps suggests that he's got no interest in experimenting at all? Do you think that he's just happy with the system he's got, the way he plays, the players he's got broadly, and he doesn't see the point of trying two up top because he just has no interest in playing that? 100%. I feel like if Roy was going to make changes, then after we confirmed survival, then he would have made it. But there's only two games left. He's still using the same tactics and certain players in the same way. So I've got no hope for him to change it for the last two games. And that's why it's been a bit frustrating. Even... And everything, I was just sitting down and it, I have nothing to be excited about. It's just, it's sucking the soul out of me at home. 14 goals in 18 games, it's just not acceptable, especially with the players we've got. I know that we've argued with you before, Johnny, about how we may overrate our squad, but I still feel like we've got players capable, more than, like, more than capable, capable enough to score more than 14 goals in 18 games. I feel like we've got the talent there, but we're just not taking advantage of it. And I have no hope. For him to change it, yeah, we missed a trick uh, because you know you could have dropped Wilf back to you know left midfield yeah. or right midfield and switched him throughout the game, and that's what we needed. We needed a bit of creativity. It was obvious on the pitch for me. Um, and the trouble is with Benteke is that he's so inconsistent that he doesn't even hold the ball up when he's you know having a, a bad game, which is a problem because then it it means the ball's just bouncing back off him back into our defense and we're having to sort of you know regain possession again so i don't know it's 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 something that i would have liked to have seen a bit more experimental um and maybe moving a few players in different positions i'd, I'd like to have seen some basics as well like wilf learning and knowing when to cross that would have been really helpful do you think that's a problem in his game it was on sunday uh, saturday I is thought. it is it more broadly? No, because he got got better. But, but do you do you think his tactics, rather than Wilf, not maybe he's just instructed to cut in because all season long we we haven't been the club to put crosses into the box. But we got Ben Teke there. I know it, it makes he yeah, scored know, last week when we yeah, did. Yeah, it makes no sense. I understand, but that's that's what we're talking about here. We don't change it up. We just go with Plan A. There's no Plan B. Even little things like that, we haven't really seen it. So that's why I, I said that that if you had played Benteke and Batshuayi up front, then you could have had Townsend on one side and Wilf on the other. And then Benteke, then we could have seen what Benteke could do with the service. Yeah, and also who, it would mix who up. Who would you like have left? Who, Kuarte and Luca. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't have played Max Meyer, to be honest with you. Because oh. I, I think I said to you, the last home game, he, was, he wasn't particularly great. And I don't think it was really that good on Saturday either. Yeah, I still would have dropped. I think James McCarthy if he's our weakest link. I think. I'll put Andrews Townsend ahead of him. If you're looking at... Different players. type of player. I, I couldn't agree with you on that one. Because Luca, Luca and Kiate, he's got, they've got, the they're, they're the core in midfield. Yeah. And James McArthur, I don't, I just, I just don't see him as like a wide player. I feel like we're, when we play McArthur, Kiate, and Luca in that formation, we're just missing that extra wide player who could, you know, put the balls into the box. So also combined with Benteke, I feel like James McArthur doesn't really deliver that. And when we talk about the potential for managerial tweaks, these aren't just decisions that a manager can make before a game. He's also, of course, got the opportunity to change things during the clash off the bench. Only made one sub against Everton. And coming up, we'll be discussing that lack of substitutions. This is Love Sport. It's the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and DR Kernaz, Nick Gillard and James Howard of Back of the Nest. And while our focus is always on Crystal Palace here on the Crystal Palace Fan Show, there is Champions League action tonight as well, something we will be discussing. And we got some team news for you from Spurs versus Ajax. For Tottenham, it's Lloris, Davinson Sanchez, Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen, both, of course, formerly of Ajax. Wanyama, Trippier, uh, Eriksen, Ali, Rose, Lorente and Lucas Moura. An exciting attack, really, if you consider how many players they've got out injured. And for Ajax, it's Inanna in goal. Veltman, Delict, Blind, Taliafika, Scherner, De Jong, Hakim Ziyech, Van der Beek, David Neres and Dusan Tadic. This Ajax team, of course, is very, very young, very, very exciting punching way beyond its weight so far in the Champions League, already taking the notable scouts of both Juventus and Real Madrid. Do you think they're going to give Spurs a problem? Yeah, I think so. Um, they've just got hungry uh, young players in their team and sometimes that, that's the biggest advantage. Maybe talent over talent over, overcomes... At times, talent could overcome um, the youth, but I think like the youth will give a good challenge. I think in this fixture, especially that's Ajax's main advantage is the fact that they've got young, hungry players that's trying to win the Champions League, which sounds crazy now, but it is a possibility. And if they all play their A game, then you never know what could happen. You saw against uh, the Tottenham Man City game um, in the Champions League, for instance, last. Two minutes VAR just changed the game. Hmm. Small things like that could happen. VAR could influence the game. But all they have to do is just effort. And I feel like if the effort is there, then they've got a chance. They have, absolutely. Nick, where do you stand on this tie? I think Ajax have got belief. But I'm not sure they'll 
be able to... I think Spurs are just beginning to warm into their new stadium. They've had a lot mm. of high-profile fixtures, really, the, for, the, for their opening games, especially that first one that I played uh, there. Um, Ajax are a good, exciting team. I'd like to, I'd like to see them go through. Um, simply because Tottenham didn't win the league, so why are they in the competition anyway? I'm an old, old fuddy duddy oh, like that. So old school. <laughs> well, then go off and do a league. Well, somebody was talking about divisions, uh, promotion and relegation in a European league. I read last week in yes. the interim. Yeah, but... it was suggested by Juventus. We're really pushing for it. Yeah, there always, there's always that talk though. I remember we talked about it a couple a month ago, two months ago about the Super League. Yeah, yeah I I think to be fair, the difference with this new one that's being suggested is there would be promotion and relegation, and oh, it wouldn't okay. therefore be just reputation based. But Nick, of course, it wouldn't just be the winners of the leagues. Unfortunately, do you think Spurs are going to go through? I can't call it. It's too tight to call. It's too tight to call. Very exciting. We'll be bringing you updates, of course, from that game throughout the show. James, can you call it? Would you tip one side or the other? I think the problem for Spurs tonight is they're playing at home and they need to get an advantage, but they haven't got Harry Kane or Son. That's a massive blow for them. Yeah. Uh, and but they haven't missed Harry Kane that much. I think they? Son is Son going to is be a big miss. Yeah, yeah. He he was. So I I I would say if either one of those was playing, they'd stand a chance of maybe you know getting one two nil and then going over there and just holding out for a draw maybe, but. I think because of those two key players missing, I'm a little bit worried for Spurs. To be honest with you, mm. yeah, I'm not. I'm not positive. Mm. <laughs> it would, to be fair, obviously we're keen on Spurs here at Love Sport, a London-centric station. But Ajax in a Champions League final, there is a ring to that. There's a history to that, and we'll be bringing you updates throughout the show. Talking Palace, uh, talking changes. Spurs, of course, are going to be very limited this evening. They've already got a fairly limited squad in terms of just the number of personnel. Obviously, as we were saying, various key men out. So substitutions may be a problem for Pochettino. They're nominally not a problem for Roy Hodgson. If we look at the bench that he had available to him versus Everton, Andros Townsend's in there, Jordan Ayew's in there, Michi Batshuayi's in there, Sacco's in there. So there is talent to be brought on should he have needed it. Only Townsend was introduced in a game that was deadlocked. Nil-nil, one change made. Do you think we should have seen two? Do you think we should have seen all three? Yeah, uh, said it uh, before, I feel like we've um we're safe so i don't understand why you wouldn't want to see other players just come to the squad so you just know their strengths i think townsend it made sense uh due to how the game was going hopefully the intention i guess was to bring him on and hopefully he would give a bit more going forward um but you, i would you, like to see other players other than townsend do you think he's been rested because he's had such a heavy season yeah, so far? I think, yeah, I think so. I think that's why it makes sense not to start him. Uh, and I think that's a good call by Roy and the management because he has played a lot of games. But so has James McArthur. But then again, I don't think Roy trusts uh, Jairo Riederwald, who seems like he's off. But maybe this would be a good time for him to show his worth as well. If we're going to sell him, put him out there for two, three games and you, you could let teams you know be aware of him and say look this is a player and if you want him then you can get him in the summer but teams haven't seen him for a very long time so they won't be as willing potentially to pay as much as maybe we may be asking for if you're playing for a couple of games his value could potentially increase but we're not going down that option so <laughs> 
it's typical Palace. Try, trying to respect the point too much, I think, on Saturday. Yeah. Not wanting to... I think the no, season... We were, defensively, <laughs> we were solid. I, I didn't feel at any time in the game that... I wasn't worried about Everton scoring. Even when Cenk Tosin almost scored and there was an absolutely extraordinary <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> save made, you weren't worried about Everton scoring at that point? No. With the ball flying towards the Palace net, there was no part of you that thought Everton might grab a goal here? No. You no. are so... <laughs> fully, no, 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 I did. Fully but but, but we, they, they hit the post a couple of times. and They, they were better than us on the day. I mean, we, we played like a team that didn't need the point so much. Yeah. I was surprised that Everton weren't better, in fact, um, simply because they still had the chance of the seventh place. I have to give a quick shout-out to Gaeta again, as you mm. mentioned that save. That was a brilliant save. It's the reactions there, save. yeah, that, the reactions there were just magnificent. And as I said, I feel like he's, he's imp- I've said this before, he's going to only improve as he plays more games and it's, it's showing. Yep. How do goalkeepers get such strength in their wrists? Because it's it's the wrist that's it's the stopping. gloves that probably help you. Well, they do help you a little bit, but to actually, I know the ball's coming at you hard, but for your wrist not to actually be bent back by the force of it. It's the gloves, trust me. Well, you get those squeezy things. <laughs> yeah, what the oh, guitar yes. use? Guitar the, players, yeah, where you yeah. can build up, strengthen up your muscles. Mm. Yeah. Perhaps they use those these days, goalkeepers. We'll have to. Wonder. I'm sure they're doing all sorts of clever tricks. It has to be said, they will have secrets up their sleeve. I'll, I'll tell you what. I will ask Richard Lees, who is Love Sport Drive presenter, former Watford Brentford keeper. I'll ask him, and on the show next week, we'll have an update from a Premier League stopper. If it's the gloves. Gordon Banks made saves like that. He weren't wearing gloves. And also, I have put on some quite high-tech goalkeeper gloves and I still just fell over, so they don't solve (laughs) everything. (laughs) Palace, of course, doing the business on the pitch, doing the business off the pitch as well. And the Palace for Life Foundation has been a massive part of that, doing really, really good work in the community. And in just a moment, we'll be talking to Stephanie Fuller of that organisation to find out about the great work they do. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and DR Kernaz, Nick Gillard and James Howard of Back of the Nest. I'm delighted to say we're also joined on the line by Stephanie Fuller of the Palace for Life Foundation. Good evening, Stephanie. Thanks ever so much for joining us. You've been doing some fantastic work recently. Well, thank you so much for inviting me uh, onto onto your show. First of all, to to talk about the foundation. Um, well, I think when you say I've been doing some work, I think really it's you know it's a foundation. I'm a, a trustee of the Palace for Life Foundation, which is a, a great privilege of mine to have to do that. It's an incredible foundation. So, hello, Steph. How are you doing? Did you, I'm good, um, Nick. How are you? I'm all right. I managed to stay awake through that game on Saturday. It was <laughs> it was crud, wasn't it? Well, what did you think of the game Saturday? And then we'll move on to Palace uh, for Life in a minute. What did I, well, do you know what? I had very low expectations for that game and it failed to meet them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I think that kind of says everything. I suppose it's a bit of a weird situation for Palace fans at the moment, isn't it? Because in reality, you know, this is kind of the season we all dreamed of, like where we didn't have to worry about relegation or anything like that. And now we've got it, it's a bit unsatisfactory, really. We sort of want a bit more excitement, so... I don't quite know what... Are you saying what... you want to be in a relegation battle, Steph? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. Definitely not. But I sort of think that Palace fans, because we had a kind of FA Cup quarterfinal and it felt like we were going somewhere with that and then we weren't and then, you know, we lost two games to a team from the South Coast we don't really want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> so those things have made the whole thing feel much more negative than the actual sort of league position really is. But I guess 
another of it is we just don't win at home. And actually, if you, if, if you only go to home games, then you've had an absolutely miserable time watching Palace this season. Yeah, I said that earlier on. Right, so most people who go to Palace... Uh, listen to various podcasts and whatever. We'll know about yeah. the Marathon March. That's October the thirteenth this year, is it? It um, is, yeah. Oh, that's it is good. Don't know where yeah. I drew that from. The adverts <laughs> no. on the screen work, didn't they? They do. It's soaked in, isn't it? That's good yeah. to know. Um, we did it last year. It was great fun. It was hard work, wasn't yeah. it, dear? Yeah, it was. <laughs> so we we managed. I can't remember how many much back of the nest raised, but where did our, all that money go? What was it spent um, on? What was it spent on? Well, it goes into a variety of different things, to be quite honest with you. Obviously, you know, the foundation, the Personal Life Foundation is a charity. So, it, you know, it needs it needs revenue to run its its programs. And if you look at the, the very many different programs that the Palace for Life Foundation provides, it doesn't take very long to realise that actually that costs a lot of money to provide that kind of depth of provision to such a broad and diverse community so it probably couldn't give you pound for pound exactly where it's all landed but what i can tell you is it's gone towards some incredibly important uh, local interventions which are helping people say from as broad a range of topics as uh, interventions when young people are perhaps falling on the verge of you know moving into offending uh, through to weight loss programs to ensure that people are actually living more healthily in the local community where we you know like things like childhood obesity are an issue it goes towards things such as um the power chairs that the the, the foundation funds for the disability uh, power chair league so it, it goes to a lo- lots and lots of different things i think it's one of the things with the personal life foundation is until you start to scratch the surface of it you don't really realize quite how much work that foundation does it's, it's amazing and in terms of those interventions that the organisation are responsible for, what does that entail? How do you help a young person when they're perhaps coming to a crossroads and they could turn in a potentially damaging direction? How do you help them at that point without alienating them? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not the person that, that does that, but the foundation has a number of, you know, highly... Work, first of all, it works with, in partnership with other organizations to use the power of football sorry, and the Steph. brand of palace can i just interject hello? there hello steph sorry we've got yeah. um inspector jack Rowlands coming on next week who actually oh, works right, for okay. divert who works oh, with the well, foundation so he'll be a better person to ask that question sorry johnny that's all right no no he would be but but to take the point on though because i mean that's the classic example then really is that what the palace for life foundation does is that you know where there are problems that are facing all, all aspects of our local community, really, but particularly young people, you know, they, they seek to partner with professionals to then use and leverage, really, the brand of Crystal Palace and the power of football as a really positive force to connect people back to a slight, you know, to a better path. Um, so it's not, I mean, Divert is something particularly interesting around the custody suite, I think, at Croydon Police Station. Um, but, you know, there are other programmes that the, the club, runs as well whereby people may not have actually offended for instance the three the foundation runs that may not have offended but they're on the radar of doing so and then those young people are signposted to more positive interventions that are that are delivered by the palace for life foundation so like i say it's, it's very varied because next to that you've kind of got healthy eagles and then you've got you know, Teammates, which is a program for children in sort of primary school, which is about, you know, helping young children develop their resilience, talk about emotions. And, and these are children that are obviously being flagged in school as having particular problems. And again, it's using the kind of position of football 
to have a conversation that maybe is a bit more difficult when it's just a cold conversation, whereas actually people are attracted to Sunny, which is a what we hopefully is a positive brand in the Crystal Palace itself and the role that you know it plays in South London. So, Steph, give us a taste. Are there any things in particular that the organisation have got coming up that we can look forward to? Well, I mean, Nick, Nick's mentioned it in terms of the big thing, you know, the the Marathon March right at the beginning. And I, I would um, I had absolutely, I've done the first two years of this. And halfway through the second one, I said, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody pointed out to me, oh, no, you, how can you not do it again? Because you know you've got to get your hat trick. So they're right. So I have got to go back. I have already signed up to do a third year of the, of the Marathon March, and I'm really looking forward to that. And what I would say about that is that no matter almost how the team's performing, that March is an incredible day for Palace fans because you get to walk all across South London, right up into town, you know, repping the club colours, fruit barrels that aren't really ours, but we like to let people know we're here. <laughs> and you also get to chat to Palace fans that you've probably never met before. And you find out the most amazing stories about, you know, why they supported Palace, how they got into it, family histories, all bunch of stuff. I've met several friends through that March who I didn't know before. And I, for me, um, it's the best day of the year for being a Palace fan. Um, yeah, it really is. And so I would, I would urge anyone who hasn't already signed up for the um, Marathon March to do it. You do need to train for it. And my top tip would be get a thousand mile socks. But, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's it's a really good day. It raises a lot of money, and that you know that those funds go towards some really important interventions. And I think it's easy to. I know there's lots of charities in the world, and there's lots of good courses that you could give to. But um, for me, when you know, you know, when you talk about the, the song Palace fans sing about South London's number one, well, for me, it's the foundation. That that is South yeah. London's number one because of the work it does. Well, I I will give testament to the walk because since I did the walk, I actually trained for it. And um, DR said he thought I was on drugs because I did it so easily. But it was just a case yeah. of walking. Performance s- enhancing. Yes. Yeah. Walking <laughs> six miles three times a week was enough training, you know, for, for six or seven weeks was enough to do it. But yeah, I, yeah. I completely agree with what you said about meeting other people. Um, back to my walking. I'm up to 50 miles a week now. I love it. I thought you'd say feel- 50 miles an hour then. No. <laughs> I think you got rockets on your shoes. Wow. But yeah, the thing 50, is fifty. So, so, are you fifty miles away from home by the end of the week? Is that what happens? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wish. <laughs> we actually make him walk back from the studio, Steph. So that's that's think, how he gets I his think, training in. Yeah, I, I think that sounds right. Actually, and I think that's fair. Well, obviously, the love sport budget doesn't expen- extend to Ubers and things like that, does it? Well, <laughs> poor old Albert was training, um, so he decided to walk to the love sport studio from home. He lives in Watford. Whoa. And he was three quarters, away, that's difficult. three quarters of the way here to get the message. Oh, we've been moved to Wednesday this week. Oh, <laughs> no. no. Well, yeah. that, that was a bad walking related story. An excellent walking related story is, of course, this marathon walk organised by the Palace for Life Foundation. Stephanie, it sounds like a wonderful thing that everyone should get involved with. It's been lovely Thank speaking you. to you. Thanks ever so much for your time. Stephanie Fuller there of the Palace for Life Foundation. You can sure get involved with events and helping out with them on their website looking back to palace's fortunes on the pitch we're going to turn our attentions to that draw with everton and coming up it's time for your winners and losers who perform well who let the side down don't go anywhere this is love sport 
Crystal Palace fan show here on Love Sport Radio with Johnny Burrow and back of the nest. That's DR Kernaz, Nick Gillard and of course James Howard. We've touched on the Everton game and basically decided it was disappointing. There was a lack of invention from Hodgson. There was a lack of risk-taking. And in the end, as Nick, you said, Everton were probably the better side on the day. That said, there were some good performances, many good performances for Palace. Let's start with the positives. Who were your winners from the weekend? Um, I'm going to change it up and not go with that average. Uh, average wing-back? Yeah, wing-back, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Vicente just for that for that save and also he had a couple other saves before that as well I feel like he has saved us so many times already this season and he hasn't even played a full season yet so I think he had a good game once again um, when the defence let us down he was there to save us so yeah I think he has to be Vicente for me yeah I think uh, overall defence did really well um, initially I think the first five minutes or so there was a bit of a wobble from Dan Um but my standout player of the game, I felt, was uh, Kelly. Okay. I was watching him because somebody mentioned him as being the standout player, I think, a couple of weeks before that or, yeah. or whatever. And I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure I make a note of exactly what he does during the game. And uh, to be honest with you, I thought, you know, he was he was there for pretty much everything. And although it might have been some simple stuff, he, he did it properly. He didn't make any mistakes. I didn't see any mistakes. From yeah, it was just Kelly. him... Him and Scott Dan at the beginning, as you said. Uh, I think that was more Dan yeah. that was sort of caught out a bit there. Yeah, um, apart from that, yeah, I think the defence did have a pretty yeah, good game. Pretty solid game. Yeah, considering so, they don't really play as much all season. And they're not, it's not yeah. a starting back four as well. So, I think when we say, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I, I don't want to criticise the team for Saturday. Mm. Me personally, I'm criticising the manager and the tactics rather than the team because I think. The majority of the team did a reasonable, pretty good job. I mean, Everton are, are no slouches. They're a good side. And the defence and the keepers, you say, put in a good performance. And I think the midfield was solid. What we lacked was creativity and something different that we haven't had at home. And I, I f- firmly put the blame and responsibility on the manager for that. Mm. What about you, Nick? I... We are getting really good at putting blocks in. Have you noticed that over the past few weeks? When teams were on us, we players are fearless in getting in getting in the way and blocking them. So Tompkins and Dan especially. But for industriousness and actually putting himself about a lot, I think Jimmy Mack, you know, did did above average. Um, I could say Wambisaka, he had a brilliant run up. It was, but he's hopeless, Nick. Yeah, exactly. yeah. No, I've got got to give him a bit of credit for when he when he overlapped, and that's <laughs> what I think Roy's tactic was was for PVA or AWB to to overlap with um, MacArthur and Meyer, maybe dropping in a bit and using using them more centrally. Um, but he was very very good going forward with the ball. He got a couple of crosses in. Okay, they weren't brilliant, but that wind. I know they they blame blame the wind I'm not sounding like Klopp I hope too yeah. much but the other thing was how many misplaced passes were there or misjudged passes simply because of the wind I mean how many heart in mouth moments were there in the first 10 minutes where a ball had been played short it's from both teams as well so yeah it's like it's not like the wind it was on our side and not Everton it was it was for both teams I understand what you're saying 
Um, but yeah, I feel yeah, I understand what you mean by uh, James MacArthur. He didn't have a bad game, but he had a. He was you could see his influence in the pitch. But loser on the other side, this might sound a bit controversial, and I might be looking a bit too into it. But maybe Zaha, um, for the fact that at times I don't I don't know if I was influenced by people around me, but at times all I heard was just Zaha, just why don't you give the ball and. I was looking at when when I heard that one or two times I was looking at him and I was like you know what he could give the ball but then again I wouldn't say he was 100% a loser because as I said in the start of the show I feel like him and Benteke didn't have as much support at times and I feel like that influenced him as well because no matter how good you are he's no Messi he's not going to go past three four defenders that surrounded him but then again his decision making I feel like it was an off game from him which can happen to anyone so I'm not that worried about it. You've, you've mentioned his name, so I'm, I'm going to come in with Benteke was the loser because he got absolutely no service whatsoever. I felt sorry for him by the end of the game because it was poor. There was a couple of occasions where the ball could have been played square to him. All right, knowing Benteke, yeah. he probably blooned it over on past evidence. <laughs> We've got to give him a chance We've to balloon that chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've genuinely felt sorry for him. Well, I, I, I think that... Uh, I agree with you, actually. I'd written down here that, that Zaha didn't have a good game. Yeah. I think he's becoming very, very frustrated. And there were occasions where I think Zaha looked up and he thought, who can I pass to? And it's Benteke. And I don't think he wants to pass to him. I'm worried mm. that he thinks that if I pass to Benteke, the way he's playing at the moment, he's, it's just going to ping off him and he's, he's not going to control it. And then it just comes... All, so I think Zaha's getting frustrated with not having someone up front to to be able to work as well as he does in retaining possession. And maybe that, that that's that's the reason. Could Zaha though and I don't know, we don't we're we're not inside the bloke's I head, think I know so. what you're saying. I think I, I was thinking about that as well because I saw comments, but go ahead. Is he in the shop window? Putting <laughs> oh, okay, himself yeah. in the shop yeah. window and trying too hard. Um because when he I don't know, because he scored against Arsenal. He, he played well against Arsenal. That, that's the difference between teams at the sort of below sixth and the rest, uh, the top six, is they've got players who are consistent, apart from Man United at the moment. Well, they've all choked the last couple of weeks, but that's that's where the money, the money buys the players that can do it week in, week out. We've got a team of players who on their day are magnificent and can beat anybody. But there's just too many inconsistencies within that team. And watching Palace is so frustrating, so frustrating because it's always been, since ever I'd supported them, so a couple of seasons, moments of absolute brilliance and sublime football that you thought you'd never ever see at Sellers, followed by absolute tosh. Yeah, the reason why I don't think that's the case is for two reasons. One, Zaha, he, as you said, against Arsenal, he had a good performance. It's not like Zaha has been really bad for a couple of weeks it was just one game and two you could see his passion on the pitch whenever a ball let's say he loses a ball or sometimes he wants a ball and it don't it don't get received you can he's annoyed he's not like he's not he's not care he's caring for the team that's what my point is yep. he's caring for the team and you could see it by his reaction so that's why i'm not that worried about oh his head is twisted and he's looking um out of the club and trying to get a move away Right, there are two issues I want to get to the heart of here on Zaha. The first is, DR, with reference to his head perhaps being turned by a top side. Nick, I'm really interested by this idea of his consistency or perhaps lack thereof. Do you think the fact that the Wilf we see every week isn't the best Wilf 
rules him out of being quite good enough for a Manchester City, for a Dortmund? Or do you think that would come? Perhaps. I'm just looking at his stats. He's not getting many assists at all, which shows perhaps a little bit of greed. How many assists has he got? Three. But is that counting the penalties he's won? It can't be. Exactly. Can it? Yeah, it doesn't no, count it doesn't. that. Yeah. And he's actually point. set up quite a few goals for Milivojevic by getting brought down. Yeah, I don't think it's really greed. Uh, I really don't. I just think that... But, but do, you, do you think that he's not consistent enough to play at a top club? No, I, I don't think that. I think this season you can't... You think he could play at a top yeah, club? Yeah, yeah. I think if you look at this season, there's been so many players that have underperformed. I, I think it's due to how what he's instructed to do. Maybe he feels playing for a top club and was given more freedom and more support, hmm. which is expected, then he would have got more goals and assists. But this season, that hasn't really been the case. Yeah, I, I take your point. I don't think that freedom would make him a more consistent finisher, but I, I'm sure his output would improve. The other interesting question here with Zaha is the point that you brought up, James, of perhaps he's frustrated by his teammates. Perhaps the reason why he wasn't releasing the ball is he got a bit annoyed and he was looking round him and instead of it being Sergio Aguero off his left shoulder, it was Christian Benteke and he looked at him and thought, you know what, I don't really fancy giving you the ball. If that is what's going on and if there is that potential angle of the shop window ahead of the summer, should we be worried as Palace fans that actually Wilf has gone, I've had enough of playing with these idiots. You're oh, not as good as I am. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. I'm really worried that the likes of you know Aaron Wambazaka and Wilf will think, Do you know what, we're... We're just static here. We're not going anywhere. And, and if we look at Wilf's comments about the Champions League as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he doesn't want to be stuck in a team that's just happy to, to, to survive in the Premier League. Uh, and he's going to be frustrated if he hasn't got someone up front that's got quality. I, th- I just think that we, we've just given Benteke long enough to really sort of, you know, pr- get back to his form that he had a couple of seasons ago. And... If we don't start looking into replacements quickly, then the likes of Wilf will possibly look elsewhere. So simple question then. Is Wilf going this summer? Well, Roy has said that he's not. I've read somewhere, I can't remember if it's just made-up nonsense, but Zaha can go to a Champions League club if he wants, but not an English one. Okay. Um, I was going to say seeing uh, Mbappe and uh, Neymar and Wilf together would be great, but it's, how, <laughs> how long is uh, Neymar going to be banned for, for slapping that fan? Yes, probably quite a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I've I've got a feeling he'll stay next season, but I don't know. It's, the, not... the thing is, we, as Steph said, we've done all right. We're, we're, we're safe early. But isn't the point that oh, yeah. all right's not enough? If you're Wilfred Zaha and you're looking at Tottenham tonight in a Champions League semi-final against Ajax, you're spot on. Palace have done all right. They're fine. But Wilf might now be at a point where he wants more than fine. Yeah, and last season, last season we did show that. I feel like we showed that on, with Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Johan Kabay and the way that we are playing, uh, some of the football was great. And we was actually trying to challenge for top 10. But this season, if you look at it, our average position is 14th. We've 
been stuck just down there and we haven't gave her a good go. And I think that's what separates this season from last season is the fact that... Goodbye. Yeah, well, you can say goodbye, but still, we've got good enough players that we should have at least challenged for top 10. But I don't feel like at any point of the season we've challenged for top 10 and we're probably not going to f- we're probably not going to finish there now. And I think that plays a part as well. Top 10, you can see it as overrated at times. What's the point of finishing top 10? But I still feel like it, it has influence and has caused frustration between fans as well. Mm, I think that's a great point. If you finish top 10, whilst it doesn't mean a lot on paper, it doesn't lead to qualification for European competition. It does send a signal to your players. It sends a signal to other clubs saying, listen, you know what? We're on the up. Perhaps that is what Palace needs. Talking of European competition, coming up, Champions League update non-stop. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and DR Kernaz, Nick Gussett and James Howard. It's a big day in the Crystal Palace annual calendar because it's the day where the club's awards are announced for the season. We've got illustrious titles to be won, the likes of Player of the Year, Fans Player of the Year, Players Player of the Year, and there are awards as well for involvement in the community. Those winners have, of course, been publicised by the club on Twitter, but our panel as yet are in the dark as to who has won them. Uh, So let's have a chat. For a start, who's your Player of the Year? I think that's the that's the most obvious. This year, has, it, there's no challenge at all. I think it's Aaron Wan-Bissaka, without a doubt. Wilf doesn't get in the mix. No, no. Unfortunately, Aaron Wan-Bissaka has been in a different class this year. One of the best right backs in the Premier League, and you can see it by the attention he has received by big media outlets. He's linked to Man City, to Bayern Munich, to the Dortmunds, and he deserves it. He's been a brilliant player for us, and without a doubt, he's our player of the player of the season yeah I'd have to go with that as well um, I noticed on I think it was a uh, BBC website was suggesting I think Alan Shearer and Hasselbank put their teams of the season and, and he was in there as right back yeah I think well right back I can't p- think of anyone else or maybe Trent but yeah you know, next yeah, Trent, yeah he was I think um, Lineker's and the other pundits right well, I mean back. yeah but the fact that he's there with them type of players it just yeah. shows how how big he is he's one of the best right backs in in the Premier League without a doubt and he's our best player this season the fact that he has played right back is quite remarkable that he's won the award because you if you look at it he does he does some brilliant challenges but it just shows that maybe if we had goal scorer if we had a striker maybe he would have given a bit more influence but you don't really think of defensive players as team or the, yeah, now, as player of this season you mean really. Hennessy didn't win we haven't announced the results yet we're asking who your player of the year is Nick I think there's a point there as well for optimism for England fans where actually the two best right backs in the Premier League this season have been Aaron Wambasaka and Trent Alexander-Arnold they're both very very young men both English Trent of course has got nine assists already this season Uh, Aaron Wimbasaka has been a defensive rock so you know England could be in a situation of having two world-class fullbacks down the same side but I'm worried Um, I remember before we had this argument I was saying Wimbasaka should be in England squad but then after I listened to what uh, Bilic said about um, Payet and what happened when he joined the French squad. It was basically the fact that they were just talking about Champions League and 
Europa League and they were just saying, oh, who do you play for? He plays for West Ham. And the others, they play for big European clubs. And I feel like he feels like it influenced Payet and that could happen with Wan-Bissaka. I'm not saying it, it would, but it is a possibility. Yeah, his, so, head, his head might get turned. Yeah, and I haven't really thought about it like that, but that is a potential uh something to happen but Pal- Palace for Life Foundation keep getting him into his old primary school he'll, he'll, <laughs> yeah, exactly. he won't want to go anywhere might yeah, be, they'll, like, they'll need to chain him to a desk yeah. once he's in there if they want to keep him eventually mm. he is head his head will office. be turned headmaster's office yeah. exactly and Roy Hodgson just sitting there behind the desk <laughs> with a very very long contract Nick we haven't asked you who your player of the season would be are you going with the other two we're going for our average wing back it's got to be really, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But had he stayed fit, I'd have gone for Sacco because I just it? like watching him. Um, there's guess... always that calamity, that, that air of he's going to have one or two calamitous moments that 90% out of the time he gets it. But he just reads the game so well. I'd say technically and mm. f- with a footballing brain, he's head and shoulders above the rest of that team. Is it just me or it feels weird that our player of the season contenders, as you said, Saka as well, is just defenders. I normally don't see it that way. It might just be me, but that's why I'm asking you guys. I see it as more player of the season. I feel like the attackers and the midfielders get more of a boost, but this year it's just none of them really. Because we, we, we haven't had an AJ or anybody like that who'd, who'd go for player of the season but not- because of the sheer amount of goals they got or somebody like Darren Ambrose where you've got uh, scoring excellent goals out of nowhere, but you got to remember, Spironi won it a few seasons on the trot as well. Mm. Wilf, he's he won it last year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting that you should mention uh, Spironi, who has of course been at Crystal Palace for what feels like forever. <laughs> he's played 405 games, he's kept 112 clean sheets, and he's got an award of his very own this evening. He's been in South London for 15 years and he is the recipient of the Chairman's Award for an outstanding contribution. So a recognition there of Spironi's contribution to the club. Your other winners, Fans Player of the Year, Aaron yeah. Wambisaka. Mm-hmm. Players Player of the Year, Aaron Wambisaka. <laughs> and PFA Community Champion, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Uh, important to note that Kira Sherwood is the winner of that award from the women's team as well. Kira's been doing some great stuff with, with the community, with school projects as well. So again, as, as we heard with Palace for Life and Stephanie just there, the club doing really, really good things in the community. But you also mentioned Darren Ambrose. You mentioned Screamers. I'm being reminded that Kira is the cousin of James Sherwood. I had a chat with her last week. She will be coming on the show with us at some point. Captain, Brilliant. of course, of the women's side. Uh, and we wish her all the best. We mentioned Darren Ambrose. Darren Ambrose, of course, a man known for a screamer. With that in mind, my favourite award at any end of seasons do is always goal of the season. If you guys had to pick one, the one that leaps out is yeah. Andros Townsend versus Manchester City, which might end up being not just Palace's goal of the season, but the goal of the season, full stop. Is that the only option? Jordan I, when he scored his first goal, got me there in the heart because he cried. He was but was it so... a good goal? I'm yeah. not interested in all this <laughs> sentimental. No, it was, it, was, it was nice. It was my favourite goal for Glad that player got one. If, okay, if you can understand what that, I mean. that's a niche that's award, Nick's, yeah, but we yeah, respect that's it. Award. But no, the, the Townsend one is by far and away probably the best goal of the last, well, since 
since Ambrose scored that scream against United. Yeah, I think this year's play at the end of season awards show must have been boring. Like everyone already knew what was going <laughs> yeah. to happen before it even no, happened. No kit reveal. What's yeah, going on I there? Went, I went past Box Park um, before I came here as I go through East Croydon, and yeah, there was just music. I guess the best thing was music. There's no kit reveal. It's just the manner played there. So I guess that's the best thing that happened. So goal of the season. Any other shouts beyond it made me happy? I mean, with I think uh, didn't Luca get a really good free kick? Uh, potentially, season. yeah. I, I think th- he did, didn't he? I'm sure uh, he scored from. Was a free that away? Kick. F- was that home or? Oh, it was at home. Wasn't it like two weeks? So- a bit long, further back than that. But I'm sure that he got a free kick. I, I don't know. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. He did at home. Well, yeah. I remember the one at home, anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did. So that, yeah, but I mean, it's ten. We haven't really scored. We've only scored fourteen goals in eighteen games, <laughs> so there isn't that many options, <laughs> we, at we, especially we, at home, anyways. I think we should have a competition for the best penalty because he scored so many. Penalties. Exactly the Luca penalty award. Yeah, <laughs> which, <laughs> which one was the best, the best out one? Of the eleven exactly. penalties. <laughs> I think that would have been brilliant. Just add a little twist to it. Yeah. That would be glorious stuff. He has been banging them in. He's missed only one all year. Very, very impressive guy. If you had to pick, this is just out of interest. This isn't an award tonight, but I want to know. What's your favourite Palace goal of all time? Whoa. (laughs) I didn't see it live. Okay. We are going back 25 years or more. We're probably looking... I was about 17 at the time. So, 33 years ago. Blimey. Um, <laughs> what year is that? Don't know, John Solarco, away at Forest, we kept, draw- we kept drawing with them in the cup, and it was in them days when you had first, you had to replay, then you had a second replay, you had a third replay. We were about to go out. There was about a minute left, and John Solarco scored against Forest from the halfway line. And uh, the Brian Clough interview afterwards was... Um, a masterclass in stating the flipping obvious. Which was what? What a goal. Yeah. It takes one second. One second of magic like that, it turns <laughs> a game. He's not wrong. And it's a very good accent. I enjoyed that. I was quite it? pleased with not yeah. him there, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> James, is that your favourite? Do you have another memory? I've got a great memory of an all-round experience, actually. It was 1990 Crystal Palace against Manchester United FA Cup final. The player in question had just come back from broke a broken ankle and he came on uh, and he absolutely skinned Gary Pallister (laughs) and scored a goal and it was Ian Wright. I had my finger in a splint, a big metal splint on that day because somebody had slammed the office door in the cheese factory I worked in. I was doing the paperwork because I was in charge at the cheese factory and uh, (laughs) they slammed the door shut. It hit the tip of my finger and And you shouted, Edam! Yes, that's made backwards, yes. Jeez, it's made backwards. <laughs> um, my finger went at 90 degrees at the knuckle. Oh, no. I had pain whirlies. It was that bad. But anyway, at least Ian Wright scored a nice yeah. goal. Anyway, I, I got a ticket off a bloke on the way up there who happened to have free tickets in the Virgin hospitality area because his sister worked for Virgin. So there was mixed supporters in front of us. And um, the Mr. Wright came on, scored his goal. And I tapped the bloke in front of me um, who was a Man United fan. And I went, Ian's swear word right. And I meant to do a fist up, forgetting that I had this big metal thing around my finger. And I swore at him inadvertently. Oh, oh, the poor bloke. That's my cup final memory. Well, if you're listening, mystery fan, Nick's sorry. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) DR, what's your favourite? Oh, favourite goal of all time. 
I can't go back that because I wasn't. I wasn't even around then. I wasn't. Even no, don't be rude. No, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't even around then. It's, it's I'll be honest. It, <laughs> I'll be on the old here. No, no, I'll be honest. I wasn't around then. Uh, you're talking about what, 25 back years back ago. 19, I wasn't even born. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. even born. Um, uh, uh, so oh, I don't know. I'm just. I the first goal that came into my head due to how significant it was. Uh, of recent time, there's so many, there's so many goals, but I'll just say the FA Cup final. No, not an FA Cup final. The well, yeah, that's that's another goal. The punching one, even though we lost, that was so Good significant. Yeah, that's probably the hardest I've celebrated after we scored. Um, Jason Punch and FA Cup final goal. Uh, the um, playoff final against Watford, that was a massive goal as well. Well, the penalty. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin Phillips. That was massive as well. Uh, Denver. Goal, I celebrated hugely. The Dwight Gill, and no, not the yeah. You got was, uh, one free, free. What's, yeah. what's your one? I don't know. I'll just go with I'll just go with Jason Punch and due to the celebrations. It was just crazy. Okay. I never celebrated like that in my life. I never will. <laughs> Jason, yep. Jason Punch and wins couple that of, award. Couple of Jedinak free kicks. Need yes, honourable yeah. mention as well. One against was it Villa actually? Mm. Now, yeah, he's a screamer <laughs> against them. Wonderful yeah. stuff. A quick update yeah, for you nice. from the Champions League action. It's still Tottenham nil. Ajax nil, 13 minutes played. We will keep you updated on that throughout the game. And coming up, it's time to answer some of your questions. This is Love Sport. It's Johnny Burrow here on Love Sport Radio for the Crystal Palace Fan Show with DR Kernaz, Nick Gillard and James Howard of Back of the Nest. And it's that time in the show where we answer your questions. Yes, we've got one question from Jay. Uh, he asked, why can't we pass the ball? Every home game, our passing is terrible. What do you guys think? Tactics or players? Tactics. Uh, <laughs> bit of both. No, do you... Or bit of both, yeah. No, I think Roy... Roy is not to blame if PVA can't clear the ball or pass the ball 20 yards. That's exactly, not yeah. Roy's fault. Yeah. But I feel like... I the ta- fact that he's got less people to pass to possibly might have some bearing on it, which would be a tactical thing, but but they were all at it Saturday, weren't they? Yeah, but if it's tactical, okay, you can blame the player, but tactically, you have to argue whether he should he should have stuck with Ward. And why is he leaving Benteke on for so long? So well, tactically, you can say he should have changed things. And we're no, talking about at home as well, especially yeah. at home, why, yeah. why our passing is terrible. So, yeah, I feel like both... Do play a part tactically, as you said. Certain players shouldn't play at home c- compared to away from home. Whereas, um, like I know James McArthur gives a lot, but I still feel like someone else could come in and do a better job than he does. Especially with the passing, he's not. I don't see him as a great passer personally. Um, but I feel like yeah, at tactics at times there is a separation. For instance, that's what I noticed mainly against Everton. There's a separation between our midfield and attack, and that contributes to a passing, of course, because it's <laughs> we're not. You're sometimes lumping the ball forward and giving long passes, so it's easier to intercept. So I feel like both tactics and players contribute to our mess at home. Uh, next question is from Gareth. What youth prospects do we have? And will Yairo Reedworld ever play a game? <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. Is that... Will, it, what do you probably, probably go talk- to Ajax next Well, season. I was about to say, if, <laughs> if you're Yara Reader, can you imagine, having, yeah. You could, ha- having signed for Palace from <laughs> Ajax, where he was very highly rated as a youngster, he'll be looking at this tonight, looking at the likes of Mattis Delict and thinking, oh, Lord, I was sold a wrong one by De Boer. 
I saw him warm up, so I feel like he, he still can run. He's, you know, he's still got something in him. Um, I feel like Roy just doesn't like him. I, I, I'm pretty sure there was a comment um, earlier on in the season on his attitude. I'm, yeah. I don't think I, he, I don't think I think he put on a bit of weight. I don't think he's obviously yeah. But fit. the weight thing as well, the kit don't fit. He don't wear the play. He apparently wears like the fan kit, so it's not. It doesn't fit into him. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's what I heard. Are we talking about um, Jaro Shipley or, or yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you know, that's what I heard. So that's why the apparently fan that, kit. Yeah, like the players have their own yeah. fit kit. Yeah. Where it just fits into your body and your muscles just look huge. Whereas a fan kit is just it's just double XL, yeah, tri- like triple big, XL for no, me. It's, it's just big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that could be, yeah, but he does look big. But I don't see Yara Reedward really having a future at Palace. He's not his player, is he? He came in uh, under De Boer, wasn't it? Yeah. So he's not his player anyway. So he, whether he plays him or not, it it doesn't matter to Roy because he's not going to carry the can or be accountable for that player. So he's not going to take a risk on someone that he didn't bring into the club. He doesn't feel he needs to, probably. And that is quite a big risk. I think he I think he might have had a bit of a game in a cup game during yeah, the season. Yeah, he has played like yeah. one yeah. or two times. He's but I still feel like when he has played, he put a decent shift in. That's why I'm just confused about it. Even though it's not your player, maybe coach him to be your player. If you know what I mean. So like we've played how many games? We're coming towards the end of the season and still he's nowhere. Well, he's on the bench. That's that's for a starter, but still, he's, he's not going to come yeah. on. I'm not hopeful of him I, coming on. I think we've had a dearth of, dearth of players in the midfield. I think we've had beginning of the season we had injuries up front, mm. and the back end of the season now we've got injuries in defence. But I think in the midfield we've most of the time had quite a, quite a few players available, and he's just a little bit too far down the pecking. Yeah. As as for players coming through, well, Woods, the defender, has been yeah. on the bench a couple of times. He's injured now. He's injured. I'm hearing good things about James. Daily playing up front, started to put them away again. But so. yeah, it's very unlikely unless a serious injury. Just like Wan Bissaka, mm. um, it was um, for Semenza he got injured, Joe Ward got injured, so it really fell down to Wan Bissaka, and it's just luck really. Wan Bissaka might be playing in League One or League Two right now if he mm. wasn't playing for, if it wasn't for the injuries. You never know. It seems to come round every ten years, doesn't it? So. Wampasaka's the latest. Ten years ago, it was Zaha coming through, and then maybe Nathaniel Klein before that. Yeah, and it seems to happen every. It seems to take about ten years for these youngsters, one youngster, to get through. And we, we're obviously putting a lot of time and effort. So, do you think you've had your quota then? I hope not. Yeah, for another eight years. <laughs> for another you, eight years. You said um, that um, De Boer. Um, Roy's <laughs> thinking De Boer um, sold me a pup here. Do you think Steve Parrish would have said that as well after four games? That he'd been sold a pup by De Boer? Quite possibly, but he, of course, bought the pup and went out and looked for it himself. He was quite keen on De Boer. I hope we're not putting uh, James off of his purchase at the well, weekend. Yeah. Maybe maybe <laughs> yeah. that could be the dog's name, given selling of pups. You could call it Frank. Frank. Or indeed Frank. De Boer. <laughs> Frank. <laughs> Frank's a good name for yeah. dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Bad, I yeah. bet he's going to call him Frank. Well, I'm writing that down there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's making a note, a quick goal update for you from the Championship, not the Champions League. Don't get too excited. Millwall, Bristol City, a lovely overhead kick from Gregory has given Millwall a 1-0 lead. Are they safe now, Millwall? They are safe already, hence why this is now going to be a little more comfortable. Yeah. Oh, Next question. Indeed. Mark Collins, uh, should we look to offload Meyer in the summer? 
Some neat touches, but yet again, he hasn't made the most of getting a start and has looked pretty average. I upset Patrick oh. O'Connor, our New York uh, correspondent on our other pods. Sunday nights and Thursday nights, listeners, if you, if you go to backofthenest.com, you can download all our podcasts there. Um, I'm saying that it's breaking the studio <laughs> it's falling around Johnny's I'm, I'm ears I've thrown my microphone yeah. over in protest yeah. um, where was I who was I talking about before I played the show Maya yeah. I said to Patrick earlier that I was more impressed by Barry Bannon when he played for us than I have been by Maya oh wow Oh, I, that's why they're talking about Barry Bannon yeah oh okay yeah no and, 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 when, and also what how much difference is there, how much difference is there in between Johnny Williams and, and Max Meyer? Johnny uh, Max goes forward a bit more than Johnny. Johnny's still along the halfway line, kind of sticking to the halfway line for the ball. Well, I don't feel like we should sell him. I don't think he's that bad. Yeah, no, so, I think, I yeah, think there's more to come getting, from him. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if he plays more games, as I've said, he hasn't really played consistently throughout the season um, and gets used to it. I feel like there is a quality player in there. And he has, of course, he has had some bad games and some very good games as well. So I'm not done and over. Maybe financially, in his wages, I think it's around 80,000. How, lo- how long did we sign him for? Because you've got to think of when he's going to be released. Uh, isn't it two years? I remember. Two, yeah, two seasons. Yeah, two seasons. Because mm. as soon as we bought him, people were saying, oh, we have to get the best out of Max Meyer because he's going to leave us in a second. Like, it, it was a free, was it a free transfer? Yeah, well, it's free transfer, but still, there's fees that is signed. Yeah, so there were some fees, but it, we pay him a lot of money for a couple of seasons. Yeah. yeah. The other worrying thing I read was that um, Luke has only got a year left on his contract. Is it? So hmm. that I haven't really thought you know, about that. He's he's played in the Champions League. Is he gonna be happy? Uh, I mean, Joe Ledley yeah. played in the Champions League as well. It doesn't mean <laughs> if you play in Champions League, it doesn't mean that you're just a quality player. Wayne Hennessy yeah. played in a wait, wait, European yeah, exactly. final. <laughs> yeah, and now, now we can't even make the can't make the Paddy's first team, and one of the most hated players. So going back to your point, I would keep Max Meyer. Yeah, I, I would. Think, I, I would give be, him another. Yeah, yeah, try. I feel yeah. like yes, he has had some good bad him. games, but. Still, I feel like considering that we've struggled scoring goals, maybe next as a creative player, as an impact player, I would keep him. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any more time, or we can have one more if if you've got one you're keen to do quickly? Is it time? Okay, we got one from Stuart. Is it time to get rid of Roy? Uh, Need a number. (laughs) I said a a quick one, dear. (laughs) Just the biggest question of all. Yeah. Quick yes or no? Is it time to get rid of Roy? That's a quick one. I would say B. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, no, yes. Yes. Get right. somebody new in. All right. Yes. I, I wouldn't get rid of him that quickly. I think you've got to be pretty much okay. have someone lined up. Okay. Then. James, at least, is a man of sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can get into that in some more depth later. But coming up, it's time to get into the next fixture. It's Cardiff. It's a tricky question for Palace fans, this one. If you beat Cardiff, you relegate them. And as part of the process, you keep Brighton up. If you roll over, could you relegate the Seagulls? Don't go anywhere. This. That's right. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and DR Kernaz, Nick Gillard and James Howard of Back of the Nest. And it's time to look ahead to Palace's next opponent this week. It is, of course, Cardiff. And I'm delighted to say that we are joined on the line by Alid Blake, who is a journalist and author of Bluebirds Reunited, the story of Neil Warnock's promotion-winning side. Good evening, Alid. Thanks ever so much for joining us. I'm going to kick you off with a small question, just a small one, which is, can Cardiff stay up? 
Short answer, no. Long answer, yes. I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's going to be a, a very, very tough ask for us to stay up. I was, I, I, I was deeply, deeply disappointed on Saturday evening, as you can imagine, after the um, Brighton result and having um, ourselves lost in the afternoon to Fulham. Um, um, we've given ourselves a lot to do, and, and it also rests on how Brighton get on against Arsenal and Manchester City on, on the upcoming um, weekend. So. Um, I probably not, you know, disappointingly for us, but we, we've given ourselves a chance, and you know, we 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 still got a, we, we you know, we still got a foot in the Premier League. We're not we're not out of the um, we're not out of it yet. Just remember Oldham all them years ago. Put us <laughs> yeah, down. exactly. Yeah, um, blimey. You know, you, you've got yeah. to cling to it, and, and we're in a really really difficult position because we kind of want to go Brighton to go down. Well, I know, of, yeah. we really, really do. But, you know, can <laughs> know. we can we be as professional as the Leeds manager was in letting letting uh, hmm. Villa score after that debacle uh, in the championship the other day? Or, you know, do we? it's not fair on all the other teams in the league if we don't give it our best shot against you. So, so that's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I I know. Like I know, um, fans will. You're, you know, you'll you'll want to see Brighton sort of go down as as sort of rival fans. But um, as I'm late sure as the pleasure, as, yeah, in the 89th minute of the last in the, game, in as disappointing a way as possible, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure the the players won't look on that like that. Um, the game like that, they'll they'll be as professional as um, as Newcastle were on Saturday. Um, given they they really don't have anything to play for now, um, and and you know they I think they showed um, a lot of professionalism in the way they approached the Brighton game. Um, I yeah I, 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 I suspect it's, it's it's sort of you know too 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 much of of a hill for us to climb now, and, and I don't think we'll we'll do it unfortunately. I mean, um, but it's it's been a um, a season of of a lot of ups and a lot of downs and. Um, I suppose Saturday was sort of the, uh, the, the one of the big big come downs of, of them all. I I really like Neil Warnock. I know the the um, opinion among Palace fans is divided, but what he did for us the first time he came in, yeah, he, he got Wilf back. Um, yeah, he he got the team firing again. Um, he was pretty rubbish after that. What What are your thoughts on him? Do you want him to stay with you if you go down? Are you, have you been happy with his tenure in the Premier League, or could he? Yeah, could he have oh, done better? It, it's been very mixed, to be honest, Johnny. I mean, um, I I'm a big Neil Warnock fan. I think you know my book sort of is is kind of a, a love letter to him in many ways. Because Did you reply, how... Alid? Have you had a response? Dear, dear Alid, please stop contacting me. Regards, Neil. He, I, I don't know if he swiped left or right. <laughs> but um, he, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think he, he's done, he did such a wonderful job in, in galvanising the club. He, we united a really fractured club and um, we, were, we were all over the place before he came in. Um, he came in, rescued that. I mean, in kind of a similar way, I think he did with you when he when he um, first um, came into Palace, um, and sort of within six months we were charging towards the playoffs. It was it was well you know well beyond us in the first season anyway, but because of where we were when he came in, and then his second season um, for the full season, he he, I mean, it was such a remarkable job that he did in in terms of turning us into um, a promotion winning side from from where we were the previous year. Um, uh, I don't think any other manager in the world 
I don't think any other manager in, in British football could have done that and probably not the world. So I think we were very lucky to have him um, with us at that time. The Premier League has been a different story. I think he's made mistakes, um, you know, as everyone does in, in their um, professional life. Um, I think a lot of his mistakes are forgivable. Um, um, I don't think they uh, have, you know, the, the, the decisions he's made haven't totally, um, you know, uh, brought us to relegation. It's been sort of, sort of part of a, um, an overall picture, so I think I think I'd like him to stay in the summer because I don't think there's a better manager to get us back um, into the Premier League if we do um, get relegated from the um, from the division um, because of his track record. And I think he's just sort of the best man for the job. And I think he'll want to get us back up because it's probably going to be his final season in football if he does stay on. I think um, you've got a re- obviously you've had a really difficult time the second half of the season for obvious yeah. reasons and uh, full credit to, to Neil Warnock and how he handled that at the time and you guys you couldn't get obviously you didn't get the striker in that you what you needed mm. um, I'm looking at it you know seeing the fixtures that are coming up and you know I can see you guys beating us on Saturday I really can I, I, yeah. we can't really gain that much more of a, a position in the league and our players could be on the beach by Saturday. You really will be up for a win. They, they weren't last Saturday. <laughs> oh, yeah, they yeah exactly. Um, and and you know, looking at looking at Brighton, they've got Arsenal away. Well, Arsenal fans are looking for a massive reaction at home, yeah. so I can see yeah, Brighton losing that. Yeah. Last game of the season for Brighton is Man City at home, so that's another yeah. loss. And then you've got so if you beat us, you've got to beat yeah. Man United away. Man United, yeah. Now. Uh, Man United are not a good side at the moment, and if you yeah. if 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 you, you Warnock gets you your players really psyched up for that one, I could see you I could see you winning that game to be honest. So well, I think you should be a little bit more positive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the feeling you're already feeling I, that you're doom gloomed relegated. Uh, maybe it's just my um, i have just been a Cardiff City fan too long. <laughs> of, uh, Realistic disappointments, yeah. yeah. But I, I I agree with you. I think you know if. Looking at the season, uh, looking at the fixtures of the start of the season, knowing maybe the, it would come down to the final game, which it might well do. Um, Man United looked, we was sort of, oh God, we, we, we've got Man United on the final game of the season. That is going to consign us um, to the championship. But, you know that you know you can you can look at it on that terms. But actually, because they've been so woeful over the last um, few weeks since um, Solskjaer was given the job permanently, then yeah, I, I think you're right. We are, we have got a chance. And um, I'd like to think that the players, you know, Warnock will 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 be able to sort of do one of his Churchillian um, dressing room speeches and get the players up for it um, as he can do. Um, I mean, I, the, the, there's so many sort of stories within the story if if it does come down to that, because obviously we had Solskjaer um, managing us the last time we we were relegated from the Premier League. Um, and he was such an awful manager for us. And yeah. um, I spoke to um, uh, some of the um, journalists about this when he was appointed, and I just I just couldn't believe that Man United had um, taken a gamble on him because he did such a bad job for us, and he'd um, sort of kind of masterminded our relegation and then created a, a, a whole catalogue of problems that Warnock was sort of left to sort out a few years afterwards. So. 
um, it would it would be a, a, a nice way to be able to stay up if we, if we were able to beat Manchester United and sort of pile the pressure on Solskjaer as well because um, even though he's, a, he's he seems a really nice guy and a decent human being, I mean, um, I don't think Cardiff City fans really um, respect him in, in terms of his um, footballing pedigree or his managerial pedigree at least. I've got a horrible question for you. It's really uncouth, but I'm going to circle yeah. like a vulture. Yeah. One player from your team, if you do go down, would you yeah. recommend Palace go for? Camarasa, <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely. Um, he's on loan with us. If if we stay up, I'd love 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 him to stay with us. Um, Victor Camarasa. He's he's an. I, I don't know if you if you remember. I don't know if he played at the, the game at Salis Park. Um, uh, I can't remember. I'll be honest. In December, I think he did actually. Um, but he's he's a sort of brilliant uh, attacking midfielder. We've got a loan from Real Betis, and um, he'd cost around about fifteen twenty million. But he's, I think he's a, he's a he's a player any Premier League club bar the top four would would benefit from having in their team. He's a cracking um, footballer, Alid. He's been very, yeah. very impressive all year and, of course, does have a screamer in his locker, which we all he enjoy. He does, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The biggest question of all, of course, is how do you think the game's going to go? I'm going to have to press you for a score oh, prediction. Oh. Look, I, I'm, I'm really superstitious about predicting scores. I really, I've never, ever liked... <laughs> OK. No, we <laughs> won't, we won't don't, force I you to break the habit of a lifetime. <laughs> I, I will be honest, Alid, and say I have never had that response to that question before <laughs> in my life. It's one of these weird things I've got, like... Um, no? I, I just... I, my my father and brother asked me for, to give them um, score predictions, and, like, I just can't ever do it because I, I just... <laughs> if I say we'll win 2-0... And we lose 3-1. I know that that's my fault then. I'll never be able to forgive myself. OK. No, well, Alan, we don't want to give you a crisis of self-belief. Uh, but we're very, very grateful for your time. It was lovely oh, well, to speak to you. thanks very much for having me on. It's Not at great. all. Thanks for coming. Alan Blake there, journalist and author of Bluebirds Reunited, which is the story of Neil Warnock's promotion-winning side. Alid, of course, described it as a love letter to Neil Warnock, which is not a phrase I ever thought I would hear. Uh, quick Champions League update for you. We haven't had a goal, uh, but it's more bad news for Tottenham. Jan Vertonghen sustained a head injury, got absolutely clattered by one of his own teammates, Toby Alderweireld, both former Ajax men. Vertonghen looked to be out cold. He was then back sitting up. There was appeared to be blood around his nose. Uh, he came back on, having been taken off. He then clearly wasn't able to continue. He went off to the side of the pitch, seemed to be being sick. Musa Sissoko has come on as his replacement. Many things going on here. The first is this conversation about concussion in football, whether these head injuries are treated fast enough and in the right ways. That question is reopened. The other, in a more cynical sense, is what system are Spurs going to play now? They were relying on those three centre-halves. They're now going to have to switch it up and they're going to need a fantastic performance from Musa Sissoko. Talking of fantastic performances, can Palace produce one at the weekend? This is Love Sport is love sport it's the crystal palace fan show here on love sport radio and there's drama in the love sport studio around me because we've heard that james howard isn't going to be able to watch palace at the weekend because as the dutiful father that he is he's going to be watching his daughter swim and for a moment he he thought hang on a minute 
there's a chance that if the race finishes quickly, I might just catch some of the game, at which point Nick Gillard responded immediately, you shouldn't be wishing that your daughter loses her race. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was a three o'clock kickoff, and uh, no, Diaz just told me it's a yeah, 5.30. Yeah. So my, my, my brain is going in overdrive <laughs> now, yeah, thinking yeah. how do I get back from Gillingham in Kent back to where I live in, West Wickham, and I'm thinking, what time's her last event? And do you know what? It could be doable. <laughs> Talking of um, travelling a long way, I've been contacted in the week by um, at ebelling underscore j on the old Twitter sphere. Um, his pal, Trevi Davis, is cycling from St. David's in Wales to Broadstairs in Kent. To Topical raise, on the Cardiff yeah. front. Yeah, and that's to raise money for St. Christopher's. St. Christopher's Hospice in Sydenham in memory of his fantastic wife, Karen. Um, so they've got a... You go to uk.virginmoneygiving.com and search for Le Tour de Broadstairs. How do you spell that? You'll find T-H-A-T. Okay. Yeah. And, um, no, it's L-E-T-O-U-R <laughs> de Broadstairs, B-R-O-A-D-S-T-A-I-R-S. Well done. Just for DR there. I'm yeah. sure the rest of you <laughs> would have worked What's that? Out. Is that key stage three, Nick? I know you're a teacher. <laughs> yeah, you go, you, look, you go to Broadstairs in, in, uh, on your key stage one trip if you're sort of anywhere in southeast <laughs> London. So, you know, you should be knowing that. Also, very, very quickly, uh, a friend of mine set up a new Crystal Palace forum on the interweb. Uh, called Palace Comrades. It's in its infancy, but I promised I'd give them a shout out. So go and have a look over there, uh, sign up and talk all things Palace there. Wonderful stuff. Talking of all things Palace, it is, of course, Cardiff up next. And it's presenting you guys with a dilemma. You win, you watch your team succeed on the pitch, which is nominally every football fan's dream. But if you do witness that, you will also have witnessed Brighton staying in the Premier League. Whereas if you do roll over... You could play a part in relegating Brighton. Roy Hodgson, the Palace boss, has said that his players have a moral duty to play as well as they can, even though their Premier League status is secure. Simple question. I'm giving you a choice. Palace win and Brighton stay up, or Palace lose and Brighton go down. Oh, if it was that easy, then yeah. Palace I know it's not that easy, yeah. but assuming, <laughs> assuming it is, well, let's say even just keeping the hopes alive, would you lose to Cardiff just to give yourselves a chance of relegating Brighton? Uh, if we lose, I won't be that surprised, <laughs> to be fair. Um, so I wouldn't mind losing if that means that Brighton could potentially go down, but I think it's a bit too difficult now, especially due to the fact that Cardiff lost against Fulham, which was a six-pointer. And now you're expecting a miracle to happen, Cardiff to beat us, which which is not a miracle, but Cardiff to go to Old Trafford, even though they're playing bad, it's still Old Trafford and still Manchester United, and they they'll want to end on a high. So it's going to be very hard. I don't know. I'd rather we lose though. I'm I'm not fat, well, who, that worried what, about it. What semi final was it where we went to Cardiff? Was it a playoff one year or not? When we were absolutely rubbish. I know Chris yeah. uh, Hamblin went down there, and it was. The the lack of effort for a team in a semi final was was appalling. I went Cardiff. Wasn't it the playoff final? It playoff semi final. It would have been because uh, I went to the play. Was it the playoff final? We had the playoff final at the Millennium Stadium. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. ship scored. That's right. Yeah, I was thinking of that one. But I'm not too sure about the semi final. But I, my first ever away game was at Cardiff, I believe, mm. and that was when. Uh, 
Zaha was playing for Cardiff and that's when Jason Punch and scored that go- we won I'm pretty sure we won 2-1 yeah. or something 3-1 oh, okay. yeah. yeah so yeah what was, was he that? like for Cardiff Zaha what he was all they hate them I remember yeah. I remember yeah. at that game they were like taken back there was, there was chance I'm uh, paraphrasing but there was there were chance saying taken back because we, we were saying Zaha come home and they were like taken back yeah and he was pretty poor wasn't he and I was yeah. working in Bristol at the time and had a Cardiff colleague uh, sitting opposite me and he was going to Cardiff with some season ticket holders. He hasn't the season ticket holder himself, and he he was just saying the guy's rubbish. Absolutely, yeah, I say I'm crazy. sorry. He's not, <laughs> and we would have an argument every week. And I say he's not. I said it's just the way you're playing him. Is that um, how the day would begin, James? Like, <laughs> Morning, Chris. How are you? Fine. Zaha's rubbish. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I've just seen this other thing that that's got people's goats. Um, this Sheffield is glorious. Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday sending yeah. congratulations. <laughs> to Sheffield United for going up and how good it's going to be for the city of Sheffield. It's extraordinary. They don't I, understand. It's it's a it's a terrible misjudgment from the Sheffield Wednesday chairman, isn't it, of what football is, how football <laughs> works, what Sheffield is as a place, how that rivalry between the Blades and the Owls functions. I've got a mate who's a Wednesday fan and as soon as I saw that, I started giving it massive in the group chat. I was going, that's the most tin pot thing I've ever seen. You've been mugged off by your own club. You should be ashamed. They're furious Wednesday fans. All of the replies to the tweet of yeah. the statement are just, nope, no, yeah, no, 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 no. You nothing to do with wrong. me. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> to do with me. Delete this Not in my now. Name. They're standing by it. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, just very quickly on on another club in trouble. Bolton um, didn't play their game against Brentford at the weekend. Some people were gloating on social media, saying, "Oh well, that's karma for Dougie." No, sorry, mate. People who watch Bolton are working men and women, just like we are in here. They have that 90-minute fix. They have the banter with their opposition fans just for the sake of the fans and thousands of them. Their lives, many of them, football is completely their lives. Like DR, it is for you. Palace is your life. Football's your life, Johnny, pretty much, apart from a bit of current affairs. But to, <laughs> to deny thousands of people that, it, it's just wrong. And, and you know, there, there's got to... I know you can't say, oh, yeah, just chuck money at teams who are badly run, but no, you can't, in, in today's you can't money-ridden world... And equally, it's not just denying people football. There are, of course, a lot of normal people, as well as footballers, who are employed by that club. There yeah. are a lot of jobs on the line. This isn't as straightforward as, hey, football fans, you're, you're having a hard one. Actually, the tea lady, the kit man, the... The press officer all of these people could be out of a job exactly and that's the worst thing about it people don't really think about that it's yes the footballers are not getting paid and that's really bad of course but as uh johnny said it's the other people that gets unnoticed and they're probably not getting paid and that's you know it's hard controversially i wouldn't even like to see brighton go under seriously because there are people who've supported brighton for as long as i've supported palace poor poor things but you know they're, they're it's, it's yeah, their it's life bad. It's bad. Yeah, and a rivalry, the reason why it's a rivalry and the point of that rivalry is to see the rivalry enacted on the football pitch. If the other team goes out of existence, you haven't in some way won. You've just lost a football club and lots of people have lost their livelihoods. Yeah, this is why I can't understand the majority of Palace fans saying hands on heart that they want them to go down. Because you'd rather have that because scrap twice I, a season. We got beat three times this season. And the, the first thing on my mind is if we play <laughs> next season, What's we beat Johnny, two one. So I'm I'm all up for uh, for uh, you know play them every every season and, 
hopefully beat them. This this is a blip this season. I would say that, but we've been outmanaged really badly. No, but that's defeatist. Keep them up, batter them, (laughs) teach them a lesson. Talking of teaching people lessons, it is, of course, Cardiff up next. And, gents, it's that point in the show where I have to press you for your score predictions. What are you saying? It's Crystal Palace versus Cardiff. Fingers crossed, 4-0 Cardiff. (laughs) <laughs> just help the goal difference as well. and what are you saying James? I, I think um, we're going to lose 1-0 oh is that hope or think uh, no or I want both. us to win okay you yeah. want you want yeah. us to win I always want us to win Wonderful. I'm not like these guys I'm a, pro- <laughs> I'm a proper fan <laughs> and Nick 5-3 Cardiff with a gyro hat-trick for Palace right okay realism <laughs> is something we're, yeah. we're massively keen on here at love sport radio it's been a glorious crystal palace fan show and of course if your predictions are right we'll still be here next week on tenterhooks not just about the beginning to crystal palace's transfer seasons but about the potential end to brighton's time in the premier league you'll have to join us then on the crystal palace fan show Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.